0: And you're my favorite youth, like a drop-top sports car, rooftop view. Let's go down to the boulevard and we'll play cool.
1: And life shouldn't be so hard like the days at the school. You're my favorite Welcome to the IDP show. I'm your host for the day, Evan Ronda, and I'm joined in the virtual so check with the one and the only bobby bob how are you doing today
0: hello evan i'm doing fine too bad we're doing this in the virtual so check and not the real so check that would be a much better night for both of us
1: it'd be a good time it'd be a lot more smelly i imagine
0: sure it is friday yeah. i've had a few showers this week probably not enough but a uh
1: once a week that's that's sufficient right
0: absolutely absolutely into your 30s you don't have to shower as much um it's just, uh, it's just a, it's a, it's a public health thing. You know, it's not so much for you; it's for everybody else. How much can everybody else tolerate? And that's that's how many times you need to shower that week.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a correlation between how often you go out and spend time with other people, exactly. or how little self dignity you have. So mm-hmm. that makes sense. Welcome to the IDP show. <laughs> we talk about football sometimes, and today on this episode, we are going to be breaking down every single game. For week seven, obviously we're not talking about the Cardinals Saints game because that is in the past. We cannot predict it anymore because it already happened. The Christian McCaffrey trade just happened as well. We're mostly defense podcast, so, you know, I'm not going to exactly spend 30 minutes breaking it down as much as I would love to. Let's just say we're very excited here. Bobby, we are very
0: excited, right? We are not very excited. We are devastated as team Elijah Mitchell stands over here. We are very disappointed in the decision made late last night. I am super bummed. Like, legitimately, I have been a fan of Elijah Mitchell ever since Adam brought his name up multiple years ago. And, you know, we should have seen this coming, right? Because Elijah Mitchell, six-round pick. Tevin Coleman hasn't been working out. Jeff Wilson's fine. He Jeff Wilson's a backup running back. We should have seen – the need for San Fran to go out and get some other type of running back. Um, this is awesome for CMC probably, um, but selfishly as an Elijah Mitchell fan, I'm super bummed.
1: Man, I hear you. I've been waiting patiently for his return. I will also say I, I saw somebody on Twitter say the other night that this is kind of a great, in a nutshell, microcosm version of you know what we saw happen to James Robinson already which is these running backs that have been good but not very highly invested in just be careful because not a lot is stopping this team from getting somebody to replace them and might also be a good warning for Damian Pierce dynasty managers because yeah. as much as i love the guy like who knows if he's going to continue being the guy going forward who really knows that's a completely speculation and not the topic of conversation on today's podcast (laughs) what we're going to be doing is we're going to be grading every single relevant idp player for week seven giving them an a b c d or f grade a is basically a solid start we would be comfortable starting this player in any situation Mm -hmm. a b is a preferred backup something about their predictable profile has a little bit of a flaw whether it's the percentage of snaps we expect them to get where they play those snaps or how efficient they are with those snaps, something about that is a little off, and so we would prefer to start an A over them. A C is a break glass in case of an emergency where there are multiple things that are off with their profile, but maybe if you need a Hail Mary shot, they've got some upside to produce, but don't count on them if you can afford not to. A D is not somebody we would consider starting, but at the very least, we wanted to mention them just as somebody you should keep your eye on. And F is don't talk
0: to me. We don't like you. Mm, I like that. Let's uh while while we're working into this podcast, Evan, let's go ahead and jump off with a difficult question. This is gonna be a difficult question for you. I want you to look directly over your left shoulder and up at the most uh the, the highest and the farthest to the uh the right, the uh, jersey that you have hanging up there on the wall. Who who is that player right there, Evan? If you don't mind Do I have the right that, side? Telling me? This one? Absolutely, you got it.
1: Yeah, Zaven Collins
0: is Zaven Collins a good sell right now, Evan Ronda?
1: Yes. Um, I, there are two reasons why. The first is the the broader umbrella reason, which is the Dynasty IDP philosophy that I've held to for a while, which is if you have a linebacker that has any semblance of value to them, they are a good sell mm-hmm. because if you can you can push that value off into a different position you can move that asset worth from one positional bucket into a different positional bucket, preferably an offensive one, you're generally doing your team a favor because linebacker is very easy to find cheap three-down players. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the the higher market value linebackers don't tend to produce at a higher rate unless you have somebody truly elite like a Roquan Smith. So that's, that's the general answer right there, which is, If Zayvon Collins is an expensive and valuable linebacker in your league and you can trade him, make a profit at a different position and, you know, replace his value with somebody super cheap, then do that. But secondly, Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think Zayvon Collins is like an elite player by any means. Mm -hmm. Who knows how good he's going to be after his rookie contract right now? He's simply playing snaps. And so that means he's producing. But I, I have yet to see anything from Zayvon Collins that makes me think, wow, this guy is legit a long-term talent asset. Somebody like a Roquan Smith, for example.
0: Yeah, I, I can't agree more. You know what? The other thing I thought about the other day, he came off, I think it was six solos and three assisted tackles last night, which was a fine game. I think big, big three scoring, he had 11.5 points or something, but He's also coming off of a four solo, four assisted, two sack game in week six at Seattle where he scored over 30 points. Um, I couldn't agree with your assessment more. He does seem to be the guy that is getting the snaps, but I'm not sure he falls into that elite category. Um, Maybe ever. Maybe he ascends. Maybe we see him take a step. Um, He is still kind of earning his way into that starting role and, um, seeing more usage in that defense. So maybe with time, um, with a little bit of patience there, if you believe in that in Arizona, time and patience, I don't know, that seems to be a weird, uh, a weird thing for them to comprehend, but
1: Arizona um, sports fans are very familiar with time and patience because that's what it takes to keep your
0: sanity. Sure. And, uh, you know, exactly like you're saying, coming, coming past the whole Isaiah Simmons year of, uh, what's going on with him. Um, I'm not sure that Zavin is elite, and I, th- I think he could possibly be a good sale. It is hard to say. I think this was a mower thought that I had the other day, but I just had to uh, I had to give you the gut punch from the from the jump if that's all right.
1: No, I appreciate that. and And for listeners that are still kind of wrestling with this themselves, think of it this way. You can have Zayvon Collins, for example, and let's just say the dynasty wide receiver 30. Mm -hmm. What if you could trade that dynasty wide receiver 30 and Zayvon Collins for the dynasty wide receiver 15 Mm -hmm. and a lesser running or a lesser linebacker that produces less like a, you know, a Christian Kirksey or Kamar Gruzier Hill is just somebody that, you know, pops off the dome to me, or even like a, a Michael Walker or like a Rashawn Evans. Like those guys are probably going to produce as many, if not more points than Zayvon Collins, and perhaps they don't have as long a shelf life. But what really Mm -hmm. matters is that you went from dynasty wide receiver 30 to dynasty Mm -hmm. wide receiver 15, and that is an asset that maintains value and accrues value at a much more favorable rate than anything you'll ever see from a linebacker.
0: And to bring this full circle, and let's go offensively as well, I love that you went to wide receiver because really I love building most of my dynasty teams around wide receivers because most of the time you don't get hit with a Christian McCaffrey trade, which then – kills your shares in elijah mitchell if dj moore had gone to the kansas city chiefs your juju shares were still going to be okay if you continue to believe in mbs and Miko hardman at this point that's on you because we're well past that at this point but most of the time you're exactly right evan your wide receiver shares are not going to take a hit quite like my Elijah Mitchell shares did last night. That's a fantastic way to go ahead and lead us into the games. And we're going to do this a little bit differently because Evan is becoming a brain in the IDP world. He might be one of one of the brightest brains in the IDP world. And instead of, like we did last time, Evan introducing these games, we're going to give Evan a little bit of the color commentary spotlight here uh, and he's going to be able to talk to us about some of these matchups that we have going on, and um, and why he has ranked some of these players in that way. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Sur- Sunday early game, the Browns are at the Ravens. Browns two and four, Ravens three and three. Evan has ranked here the D line for Cleveland. Edge Miles Garrett as an A. Also has noted here to watch the injury report. Edge Jadavion Clowney with a C. Edge, Alex Wright with a C, only if Clowney is out. I know Clowney has uh, a little injury he is nursing right now. Linebackers, this is a muddy room. Jacob Phillips with a B, watch for Deion Jones there. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa as a C, just due to low snap percentage. Deion Jones as a D, keep an eye on his usage here. Evan wants us to know. Grandel Pitt as an A, John Johnson as a B there for the DBs as well as Denzel Ward, an A in all cornerback leagues, and then Greg Newsom as a B in cornerback leagues as well. So before we jump to Baltimore there, Evan, tell me what you feel confident and not confident about the linebacking core there for the Cleveland Browns.
1: Yeah, so those that listen to my podcast, the IDP Game Theory Podcast, a week or two ago will note that I had some concerns about Jacob Phillips, Because they had that game against the Chargers, he struggled at times, and immediately, the Browns traded for Deion Jones. So I was concerned that Jacob Phillips' usage might take a dip with Deion Jones stepping in, but Deion Jones was not activated for the Week 6 game. Now, he could be activated. I'm not sure if that has happened yet or not. Maybe you can pull that up while I'm meandering, but... Um, but if Deion Jones remains unactive or inactive for this week, seven game, I would probably feel confident elevating Jacob Phillips to an a simply because he has been a full-time player since the injury, uh, that happened to their previous starting linebacker. But if Deion Jones comes in, that muddies the situation even more because Jacob Phillips may or may not retain the green dot play calling abilities, and Jeremiah Wusu koromoa coming back from an injury could also threaten his 100% snap share. I believe their coach just recently said that they are planning on on giving him more volume. I think the reason why JOK had a limited snap percentage last week was simply because of their matchup that game, um, but that they intend to have him be on the field more to, to help contain Lamar Jackson this time, so... Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa could have some more volume. I still see him as a C simply because he's not a full-time player. And there's Mm -hmm. a lot of variance there, especially with Deion Jones potentially coming in. Uh, Mm -hmm. But just in general, the situation is murky. And if Deion Jones does join the mix, it's hard to have confidence in
0: anybody to give them an A grade. Absolutely. Um, Based on Twitter here recently, it looks like Deion Jones has practiced this week. And it looks like also their DC... um, expects Deion Jones to wear the green dot in the near future. So it looks like all of our Jacob Phillips, JOK, if anybody in the world still believed in Sione Takitaki, all of those shares have been just cut in half um, and maybe even more so. Um, It's very disappointing. As being a big JOK stand, I really am kind of upset. Um, I don't know what he is now. It's going to be really weird to see. I think Jacob Phillips is going to be the LB that plays alongside Deion Jones. It sounds like, based on what we're seeing in tw- uh, on the Twitter world right now, that um, the team has a big – has a big they think they have a big need. Um, I didn't think they did, but apparently they think that they have a need for Deion Jones. He's going to wear the green dot, going to play. Who knows? You know, every week in IDP – some of these things can uh, you know, be tossed to us, and it, it it gets to be a little bit chaotic. I wanted to read a couple of quick stats here for you before we run to Baltimore. So Jacob Phillips' last four weeks, 10 points, and this is big three scoring, so 10.5 points, 21.75, 9.75, and 17.75. So Jacob Phillips, even though he has, ha- has not had the best PFF grade, um, has had a really, really big impact in the IDP world as far as scoring goes in 2022. So – I don't know. If you're on the fence about any of these guys, I would probably recommend moving elsewhere at least for a week or two until we can see what that situation is going to look like. Let's talk about Baltimore real quick. Evan notes here that it is a poor matchup for the Baltimore Ravens. Defensive tackle Calais Campbell, Edge, Jason Pierre-Paul, and Edge Odafe Owe all have received a C here from Evan. Pat Queen, the only linebacker really worth rostering for the Baltimore Ravens. Has a B slash C, so he's in he's in that uh you know that eighty two to seventy eight percent range um, as far as you know you're getting that grade back from your teacher. How did I really do? Is there a curve today? No, you're just in between. Um, really, the the usage there from Evan not hundred uh, percent of snaps that Queen is seeing yet, and then the defensive backs Chuck Clark with a B, Geno Stone with a C. Kyle Hamilton with a D, and then cornerback Marlon Humphrey is an A in all cornerback leagues. I also want to say Marcus Peters is kind of interesting as well. Uh, Peters was not great last week, but the week before when they played, I think it was Joe Burrow, he was was pretty dang good. I think he was like a top five cornerback that week. But, yeah, the D-line not worth talking about. Pat Queen is fine. Let's talk about the DBs real quick, Evan. Chuck Clark, Geno Stone, Kyle Hamilton. Which of these three are we going to trust for the rest of the season?
1: Trust is a very generous word. Um, the answer might be nobody, and it probably is simply because Geno Stone is not going to be the guy for, you know, for the rest of the season. He's only going to be around for a few more weeks until uh, the, the starter gets healthy. Kyle Hamilton has been absolutely s- such a letdown. They have not trusted him with a significant portion of snaps. Chuck Clark is the only consistent full-time player for them. And his snap location is great, but for some reason he just doesn't produce tackles at a rate that you would expect him to given where his snaps are. I don't know the exact number. I'm sure somebody like Macri could, uh, could be the big brains behind a study uh, like, like this where you would calculate all of his snap locations and the expected tackle rate for where he plays his snaps and compare his true tackle rate to his act, you know, his expected tackle rate and see just how much lower it is. But of all the safeties, Chuck Clark, you know, is is the most trustworthy if I would be so generous as to use that word. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's more of a rest of season basis. If I'm simply talking on a week by week basis, I think Geno Stone and Chuck Clark are both good depth plays. For example, I'm playing Geno Stone in a league that is a, I believe it's a 14 team. Mm-hmm. You know, you start four DBs. It's the oh, big yeah. nickel IDP podcast listener league. And so... In that instance, yeah, Geno Stone, sure. What the heck, you know, he he's got good upside. He you know he'll see a vast majority of snaps in a good snap location. But if I'm playing in a shallower IDP league where I'm only starting two or three defensive backs, I don't think either of these guys are worth considering.
0: Evan, if you roster Kyle Hamilton right now in an IDP league, let's say Dynasty, and someone offers you Jaquan Brisker for Kyle Hamilton, are you accepting that trade?
1: That's a very interesting question. I think what I would do is I would individually reach out to all of my league mates and say, hey, I'm Mm -hmm. planning on trading away Kyle Hamilton. If you're interested, give me your best offer. And if Mm. nobody tops Jaquan Brisker for Kyle Hamilton, I would probably take it. Now, I believe Kyle Hamilton has a higher market value. And so I believe he's worth more. But if I'm looking strictly in a vacuum and I'm not doing a market analysis, I believe Jaquan Brisker is going to be more productive, at the very least, this season. Mm-hmm. Going forward, who knows, but IDP, your time horizon is so irrelevant because you can make managing decisions, and things in defense change so much. So, uh, you know, for the for the rest of the season, I would prefer Jaquan Brisker and Dynasty. I would still probably prefer Brisker if I'm not looking at a market analysis.
0: I love that. Jaquan Brisker, two sacks on the year as a rookie going into Week 7. Uh, he's definitely a name to pay attention to. Another game we need to pay attention to is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at three and three versus the Carolina Panthers, the PJ Walker led Panthers at one and five. Evan has this here for Tampa Bay as a good matchup for the IDPs. The defensive line, Edge Shaquille Barrett, he has as a B, Edge Joe Tryon Shoyinka, B slash C, much like Pat Queen. The linebackers, Devin White, A, duh. Levante David, A, duh, double duh. The DBs here, Mike Edwards, A, if healthy. That is a very interesting if healthy. Um, we'll talk about that. Uh safety, Keanu Neal is a C. D. Delaney as a C as well. Cornerback slash safety. Antoine Winfield is an A, duh. Carlton Davis as an A in all cornerback leagues and then Jamel Dean who I roster in quite a few leagues as well as an A in cornerback leagues so um, let's talk a little bit about Mike Edwards and Mike Edwards is a guy that um, you made a video a couple weeks ago about and uh, Mike Edwards came onto the scene a little bit after your video and and definitely popped is getting the snaps Um, but here you have him as an A if if healthy Um, how healthy do we think that edwards is right now um and do you feel comfortable with him in this game against a pretty bad offense
1: yeah i believe he was inactive for the past week or two i know we've also seen some injuries from logan ryan so the safety situation requires a little bit of clarification uh if mike edwards is active for the game i'm starting him that is that is about as simple as as it needs to be. Now, Keanu Neal seems to be the second safety there now that Logan Ryan, I believe, has been put on IR. Mm-hmm. And so, if Mike Edwards is active, Keanu Neal should take over that Logan Ryan role, which is not a full time role. It's a limited mm-hmm. role. It could be anywhere between, you know, 40 and 70% of snaps, but those snaps are in a pretty good location. So, you can expect them to be somewhat efficient. Now, if Mike Edwards misses, Keanu Neal will see 100% of snaps. And D Delaney will see that Logan Ryan limited ish role. And so it's important to kind of know where the rankings are here Mike Edwards, then Keanu Neal, then D Delaney. Now, there's almost no scenario where you would really want to start D Delaney unless you're in one of those stupid sure. deep IDP leagues. But if Mike Edwards is out, it would be interesting to note Keanu Neal being a pretty solid start because I would venture to say that he's not highly rostered across most
0: IDP leagues. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and jump into the Carolina Panthers as well because we've got some interesting names to talk about. Um, This is an average matchup here for the Carolina Panthers uh, defensive line. Brian Burns here as an A. Uh, Defensive tackle here, Matt Ioannidis as a C. Good volume for a defensive tackle that gets decent pressures here. The line-making core, which has been a little bit interesting lately. Shaq Thompson as an A. Frankie Louvu as an A if he plays um, due to his health here. I think he's been out in the last week or two. Corey Littleton as a B, only if Luvu is out, though. DB's Xavier Woods as a B. Safety and cornerback Miles Hartsfield with a B. And then Justin Burris as a B, who has been filling in for Jeremy Chan and has some good usage. Um, Evan, so far on the year, have you been somewhat disappointed with Brian Burns' Through Week Six, Um, I don't know off the top of my head how many sacks he has on the year, but for a edge that was drafted probably as a top five edge, maybe a a, definitely a top ten. I don't know that he is really performing at a top ten edge level so far this year. Uh, Can you speak to Brian Burns a little bit?
1: Yeah. Um, Now. While I did give him an A grade, I will admit that he has a bit of a lower floor. I believe his tackle numbers per game aren't as high as you would love to see from some edge rushers. But yeah, he was very highly drafted. And that's right. That's kind of what you think. An edge rusher, kind of similar to running back, where you might take one as one of the first players off the board. And we've had some running backs this year who have totally hit. Think Saquon Barkley, for example. But Mm -hmm. most of them have been, eh, They haven't really separated themselves from the pack. And Mm -hmm. so managers who were taking a shot at Brian Burns were probably hoping that he had the potential to really separate himself from the pack. And he's just failed to do that. And Mm -hmm. so I think this might be a case of, you know, not necessarily mismanaged expectations, but just a letdown based on ADP. He's Mm -hmm. not necessarily underperforming, but he's not producing at a rate that you would hope from somebody that was ranked as highly as he was going into the season. Now, that Mm -hmm. being said... I do still believe that he is a talented player. Mm-hmm. I do believe that he has the potential to produce more. I don't know off the dome how tricky his matchup has been so far, but I would venture to say that there are some good matchups in his future. And let's mm-hmm. be honest, if you drafted him, you're going to play him either way. And, yeah. and you know, there are a few there are few edge rushers that have that level of upside that can be attributed to being a talented
0: edge. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Burns has actually been pretty decent. He has 15 tackles on the year as well as four sacks. Uh, the defensive ends who have more sacks than him on the year are Dietrich Wise, Dorrance Armstrong, Miles Garrett, Max Crosby, and Nick Bosa. I'm sure, I'm sure there's a few of the, uh, the linebackers as well who have more sacks. But, um, yeah, Burns is a dynasty piece that um, if you have him, you're holding on to him. He's a perfect age right now. Continue to ride him out because as this offense continues to um, – just be horrible with P.J. Walker. I don't know that we see any type of turnaround with this offense this year. I think Brian Burns in this linebacking core is going to see the field a lot. Um, the linebacking core has been really gross, hasn't it? Shaq Thompson has underperformed to some extent. Frankie Louvu came onto the scene and looked amazing and then got hurt. And then Corey Littleton was – elevated to 2019 levels of Corey Littleton last year. So um, it has definitely been a weird year for the Carolina linebacking core. Let's go ahead to the next game. We are going to look at the Atlanta Falcons against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Atlanta Falcons at three and three, the Marcus Mariota led Falcons and the three and three led Bengals. Wow. The Atlanta Falcons have the same record as the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm just now seeing that for the first time, and it looks insane. Uh, The Atlanta Falcons are a below-average matchup here. Edge, Arnold Abichetti, here, has received a grade of a C. Lorenzo Carter, Edge, has a grade of a C. And then defensive tackle, Grady Jarrett, uh, A grade in defensive tackle required leagues. The linebacking core, Rashawn Evans, A dog. Michael Walker, A dog, but – Watch for injury. Troy Anderson, a dog again, but if Walker misses. Defensive backs, cornerback, safety, slash, whatever. Richie Grant as a B. And then Jalen Hawkins as a BC. So, two quick things I want to touch on here, Evan. And I know you have mucho expertise here with the Atlanta Falcons. Let's touch on the linebacking core. Who are we trusting in redraft? For the rest of the year, let's have a little redraft question. And then was Jalen Hawkins worth me picking up in the XFFL this week, which I did question mark.
1: Yes. Um, I believe Rashawn Evans and Michael Walker are both worth trusting for the rest of season minus the, the injury, obviously for Walker. Once he returns, I expect both players to be full-time guys for the remainder of the season. I haven't seen any indications that they intend to give Troy Anderson a starting job at any point sans injury. Now, that's not a guarantee, but it's enough that I would trust them to the point of, you know, rostering them in a redraft league. Obviously, if one of these guys loses their job and Troy Anderson comes in and takes it, I will take that on the chin. But the upside of them being an extremely productive player for me is well worth that seemingly marginal risk. As for Jalen Hawkins... He's been interesting. I've it on a week by week basis, it kind of depends how they use him. Some games, him and Richie Grant both split equally. They go deep and and in the box at about the same rate. And other games, Jalen Hawkins plays deep a lot. In this past week, I believe Hawkins played deep at about seventy percent of the of the time. And so I wasn't really expecting much from him this week, but he still had a a huge game, although I do believe that was off of some big plays. And so, obviously, yes, he's a 100% snap safety. So in your league, the Xf XfFL, if you guys are rostering all other 100% snap safeties, regardless of if there are strong safeties or free safeties, then yeah, he's he's absolutely worth rostering. If you guys only have a couple safeties, like for example, if a guy like Lamarcus Joyner and you know yeah. Nasir Adderley and those guys are available on waivers. You know, that's the floor for Jalen Hawkins. He could very well be one of those kinds of players.
0: That's a fantastic but, re- reference there, Evan. Agree. Yeah, yes,
1: but, Continue. but Joyner and Adderley are never going to yeah. occasionally see the amount of work in the box that Jalen Hawkins could in a game where him and Richie Grant split deep and shallow. So he definitely has some more upside for them. And he's a younger player too, and they're mm-hmm. a rebuilding team. So who knows if they keep him around long term, but he's not on an expiring contract to the best of my knowledge.
0: Big three scoring his last three weeks, 16.1 points, 14.2 points, and 8.25 points. And you are very astute, Evan. Last week he had one solo, three assists, but he did have a pick. Um, And I believe he had a forced uh, fumble or a fumble recovery in week four, which gave him a little bit of points. So, yes, he is not a box banger, but – If you're like us and you play in some of these really deep leagues where safety has been really bizarre this year, Jalen Hawkins, the safety 26, is absolutely worth rostering. Let's talk about the Cincinnati Bengals and some guys worth rostering this year. The defensive line here, Evan has an above-average matchup. Edge Sam Hubbard as an A. Edge Trey Hendrickson as a B. That's interesting to me. I love to know here why you like Hubbard more than Hendrickson. Logan Wilson here as an F. Woo, the first F we've seen so far. Jermaine Pratt is an A. Akeem Davis-Gaither is a C. And then the defensive backs here, Jesse Bates, who has been very disappointing in 2022 as a B. Vaughn Bell as an A. And then cornerback Chidobe Awuzie as a B in cornerback league. So, Evan, we had this conversation on the IDP Show podcast with Adam and Josh and myself this week. I think it was this week. Maybe it was last. Hubbard or Hendrickson in Dynasty um this week it looks like you like hubbard uh do you like hubbard more than hendrickson and dynasty
1: that's a good question if if i had time to really really research it i would probably look at their contract situation their age if all of those things are being equal i it's it's tricky because it also depends on your scoring format are you in a league that Mm -hmm. values tackles more or are you in a league that values sacks more because sam hubbard is the tackle guy Trey Hendrickson is the sack guy. He tends to get more pressures, but Sam Hubbard tends to have a higher tackle floor. So I, I hate to not answer your
0: question. No, but I'm going to tell you this. You are so smart that you answered my question without answering my question. So the answer is check your scoring. If you are a tackle heavy league, the answer is probably Hubbard. If you are a big play league, the answer is probably Hendrickson. I really think that you're f- splitting hairs there. So Putting you on the spot, Evan, you you did a fantastic job there. I'm so proud of you. Answer me this one Jermaine Pratt. How comfortable do you feel rolling out Jermaine Pratt if Logan Wilson is out this weekend, which it looks like he has been ruled out?
1: Okay. I, I hadn't seen that at the time of writing this up, which is why I put him in an F because yeah, this they is said two to five week recovery. So I was like, well, so obviously it's not this week. Uh, Akeem Davis Gaither or Jermaine Pratt? Who did you mention? I'm sorry.
0: I, well, either of them. Honestly, I just made a trade in the XFFL to bring in Jermaine Pratt because I knew the Wilson injury looked like it was going to be maybe missing a little bit of time. Um, and then Akeem Davis-Gaither is somebody who might be filled into that Jermaine Pratt role that he was playing prior to uh, Logan Wilson getting hurt. So um, do you have confidence in either of those guys, or is this just uh, are these just a couple guys that we're going to roll out until Logan Wilson gets healthy?
1: I have a supreme level of confidence in Jermaine Pratt. I will mm-hmm. say that again for the listeners that might have tuned out. I have a supreme level of confidence in Jermaine Pratt, the linebacker for the Bengals. With Logan Wilson being out this week, I expect Jermaine Pratt to play a full-time role, and I expect him to be a tackle machine. Mm-hmm. He should score a lot of points, and he should be available in most moderate to deep, or sorry, moderate to to somewhat shallow IDP leagues especially if some managers aren't hot on waivers. I've been trying to trade for him in some leagues because I needed a linebacker fill-in, but unfortunately, my trade partner, I would love to give him credit for being sharp, but he just never checks his phone. Sure. King Davis-Gaither, on the other hand, like you said, stepping into that Jermaine Pratt role, I do not have a supreme level of confidence in him simply because he does not play a full-time role. But if you're in a super deep league and you need a Hail Mary play, he could at the very least be efficient on a Mm -hmm. limited number of snaps because, you know, there are plenty of opportunities for snaps there or for, for tackles there. But I think what's interesting, right? Logan Wilson is as productive as he has been with Jermaine Pratt playing a limited, limited percentage of snaps on the field, Mm -hmm. but Logan Wilson's, you know, his competition for tackles is Jermaine Pratt. Jermaine Pratt's competition for tackles is Akeem Davis-Gaither, obviously an inferior player to Jermaine Pratt, according to just what we've seen so far. So there is actually a chance of Jermaine Pratt being more productive than Logan Wilson simply because the other guy with him on the field might not necessarily be as efficient
0: a tackler. Jermaine Pratt over the last three weeks has 31 tackles and one sack. And that's on, I don't know, I don't have it in front of me, but you're exactly right, Evan, probably 70 to 90% usage over the last three weeks. I am supremely interested to see what Jermaine Pratt is going to do without Logan Wilson in the lineup here, probably for the next couple of weeks, I would say. It looks like in the next two to five weeks, we could maybe expect Logan Wilson to be back. But we already know he's out for this week, so Jermaine Pratt, put him into your starting lineup. The next matchup we're going to get to here, the Detroit Lions at 1-4 and four are going to play America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, at 4-2. and two who maybe Dak plays for this weekend. I'm not sure if it's a Cooper Rush game or if Dak is back. But let's look at the edges that will try to be in the backfield of the Dallas Cowboys. The Detroit edges here, Aiden Hutchinson with a grade of B. Edge, Charles Harris with a C grade. And then edge, Austin Bryant with a C grade. Linebackers for the Detroit Lions, Alex Anzalone with a B grade. Malcolm Rodriguez with a C slash B grade, defensive backs Deshaun Elliott with an A grade, and then Kirby Joseph as well with a C grade. So most IDP podcasts are probably going to talk about Aiden Hutchinson and his juicy um, ability to rush the passer and be a great asset for your IDP league and dynasty or whatever. We're not going to do that. We're going to talk about some gross stuff. We're going to talk about Alex Anzalone and Malcolm Rodriguez. Why the B and why the C slash B for Malcolm Rodriguez, Evan? Uh, I gave Anzalone the B
1: simply because I don't like him as a person. He offends me. His existence is annoying, and Mm -hmm. he doesn't deserve an A. Uh, He plays 100% of snaps. He's been pretty productive. Obviously, like I said, he's no Roquan Smith. He's basically the guy that I'm comparing every linebacker to. Is the ideal archetype, but he does get the opportunities to make plays. Malcolm Rodriguez, on the other hand, does not get quite as many opportunities, which is why I gave him a C-slash-B grade. I don't want to give him a C-grade because I reserve that for linebackers that are just really, really not worth considering for your starting lineup. Malcolm mm-hmm. Robert Rodriguez is better than that. He deserves at least a gold star on the top of his paper saying, you tried, because he does get a significant portion of snaps, and he does make tackles on, a, a again, a, a good portion of those snaps as well. And so I don't believe that he deserves to be downgraded to full C status.
0: Weird things happen after NFL teams' buys. And Detroit was on a buy in week six. Could we finally see the emergence of Malcolm Rodriguez for the back half of the Detroit Lions season in 2022? I think it's very possible. Alex Anzalone has been hashtag bad. I think Malcolm's season is coming. Um, I love that assessment there, Evan. Let's get to the Dallas Cowboys here. The defensive line is a good matchup. Edge, Micah Parsons, obviously the A of A's. The dude is a dog. Edge, Demarcus Lawrence here as a C grade. And then Dorrance Armstrong as well as a C grade. Linebackers, Leighton Vanderneck as a B slash C. Anthony Barr as a C because he will forever be a C. Defensive backs, J. Ron Curse as a B, Donovan Wilson as a B, and Malik Hooker as a B, which is very confusing and a weird situation to try to figure out. Cornerback Trayvon Diggs, an A in cornerback leagues, and then cornerback Anthony Brown an A as well in all cornerback leagues. I'm going to open the floor up to you here, Evan. You have quite a bit of notes here for the Dallas Cowboys. You tell me what you think we need to know going into week seven.
1: Yeah, there's there's a couple interesting things happening here. First things first, there's Demarcus Lawrence and Doran's Armstrong. Now, Micah Parsons by far leads that defensive line group in snaps. Granted, he does play um, in the box occasionally as well, but he plays like 60-plus percent of his snaps on the defensive line. And so... That doesn't leave a lot of room for opportunities for anybody else to see a significant volume of snaps. And so DeMarcus Lawrence and Dorence Armstrong are both seeing a pretty limited percentage of snaps. Now, DeMarcus Lawrence has been a little bit more efficient with those snaps, but he's also probably rostered in a significantly greater percentage of leagues. Dorence Armstrong is basically discount DeMarcus Lawrence. Also limited snaps with a lower pressure rate and a lower tackle floor, but decent upside in a good matchup, which this is. As for the linebackers, Van Der Esch has gone from being an almost 100% player down to, you know, much much lower percentages, and it's difficult to tell on a week-by-week basis what kind of week you're going to have from him. And so, I wouldn't trust him, which is why I have not given him a full-on B grade, but I also can't give my full-on C grade because his range of outcomes is an almost 100% snap game with a ton of tackles. Anthony Bard does not have that in his range of outcomes, which is why he deserves a C grade. And like you said, he will always be a C grade. Now for the safeties. This is where it gets fun. We now have a three safety rotation with Jaron Ron Curse, Donovan Wilson, and Malik Hooker. They all play about the same percentage of snaps, but where they play is important. Jaron is the one that plays closest to the line of scrimmage most often. Donovan Wilson tends to play in the medium area most often, and Malik Hooker tends to play deep most often. And so generally speaking, we would prefer Curse, then Wilson, then Hooker in that order because of where they play their snaps, but their production has not necessarily reflected that they have had some volatile weeks, but they've all had big games. And so that's why I'm willing to give them all a B grade. I don't trust them, trust them enough to Mm -hmm. give them an A grade, but they certainly have weak winning potential more than deserving of something higher than a C grade
0: if you have a deep league that you play in and you're rostering lots and lots of people, all of the defensive backs are going to be worth starting. Evan is 100% right. But picking out which one is going to be the most productive week in and week out may be a maddening situation that you're getting yourself into for the rest of 2022. I do want to say, Dorrance Armstrong on the season is fantastic. He had two sacks in week two. He had a sack in week three. He had a sack in week five and Week 6. Um, Dorrance Armstrong has been the epitome of efficient. When I think about efficient, I think about two things. I think about John Macri, and I think about Dorrance Armstrong. And I can almost guarantee you that the title of this episode will be Discount the Marcus Lawrence. So congratulations for coming up with that, Evan. That was fantastic. Let's Got get you. to the next matchup. As, as long as uh, we want to talk about the Dallas Cowboys, let's talk about their countermate, the New York Giants who are five and one and are tied for first in the NFC. Probably, probably the whole NFC. I would say they're going to be play- Eagles. minus Eagles. Absolutely. Correct. Uh, they're going to be playing the Jacksonville Jaguars who are currently two and four. Let's look at the New York giants IDPs for this week. The defensive line is a below average matchup edge. Kayvon Thibodeau is an a, which is interesting edge. Aziz Ojolari is out, I believe. O'Shane, wow, say this one for me, Evan Ximenez. Zimenez. Zimenez is a C. Jihad Ward here is a C. Defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence is an A in defensive tackle leagues, and then Leonard Williams an A in defensive tackle leagues as well. Tay Crowder is a C. Jalen Smith, wow, the quarter quarterback, the linebacker for the. Um, New York Giants in 2022 in week seven. Wow, that's an interesting thing to even think about. Jalen Smith here gets a C grade as well. And then defensive backs, Julian Love gets an A grade. Xavier McKinney gets a B grade. And then cornerbacks, Fabian Moreau and Adoree Jackson get B grades going into week seven. So I want to hear from Evan a little bit about Kayvon Thibodeau. An A grade here is quite the grade for the rookie who – Missed a few weeks coming into the twenty twenty two season, is just now starting to get his legs under him. And are we going to feel confident starting Thibs for the rest of the season, Evan?
1: Now you might be able to argue me down to a B simply because of it being a below average matchup. No, stick to
0: your guns. It's an A. You wrote an A. I am. I want
1: to hear it. I I have a good amount of confidence in Kayvon because he has really good snap volume. He's got a pretty moderate tackle floor, which is something that you really like to see from your edge rushers. You don't want to see a goose egg in your starting lineup, but he also has a really solid pressure rate, which gives him good sack upside. So you see good balance between the tackle opportunities and the pass rush leading to sack opportunities. Not to mention, we've already seen Aziz Ojolari and O'Shane Zimenez already ruled out. So it's really going to be Kayvon Thibodeau and nobody. So if that doesn't give you optimism that he could be the guy to get the the, the sacks and even the tackles, I, I don't know what else to tell you. I don't believe that Jihad Ward is going to beat Kayvon Thibodeau to a quarterback anytime this century.
0: <laughs> you never know, Evan. You just never know. It could happen.
1: Uh, it could. Kayvon,
0: Thibode- Kayvon Thibodeau's last four weeks, big three scoring 13.5 points. points, 6 points, and 3.5 points. But last week, he did have three tackles. He had one sack, and then he had one fumble as well. So, Thibodeau could be coming on. I enjoy the A grade because it shows how bold we are, and it shows the confidence in our selection. So, we're going to roll with it. Let's get to the other side of the ball in this game, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are very interesting going into week seven. What kind of team – Are the Jacksonville Jaguars? I don't think we really know yet. I'm not sure that I pegged them to be a two and four team. I I really kind of thought they would be a three and three or maybe even a four and two team. But here we are, week seven. The defensive line is going to be a good matchup for week seven. Edge, Josh Allen is a B, which is interesting to me. We might come back to that one, Evan. Trayvon Walker is a B as well, which I don't disagree with. Linebacker, Foysaid, Aluakon is an A. Dog. Devin Lloyd is an A. Dog, Am I doing this right? Defensive back, safety, Rayshon Jenkins, an A, Andre Sisco, a B, and then cornerbacks, Tyson Campbell and Shaquille Griffin, A's in cornerback leagues. Got to give a shout-out to my boy, Johnny the Greek, for his Shaquille Griffin takes. Um, Johnny's been getting me right on the cornerbacks so far in 2022. Love those articles. But not in those articles, Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker because they're not cornerbacks. So, Evan, I love Josh Allen. In my heart, Josh Allen is forever an A. Why a B here?
1: It's a great question, right, because Josh Allen, much like Brian Burns, was drafted highly, and greatness was expected from him. Uh, Just off the dome, I want to compare this to the Cincinnati Bengals situation, and I want to make a comparison for you. Josh Allen being Trey Hendrickson and Trayvon Walker being Sam Hubbard, Because what we see from Josh Allen is a lower tackle floor, but a higher pressure to sack ceiling, Mm -hmm. and Trayvon Walker having a lower pressure to uh, pressure sack upside, but a higher tackle floor. So, the real question here is what does your league value? Does your league value tackles or does your league value sacks? Because if you're in a big play league that heavily rewards sacks, Josh Allen is an A without a doubt in my mind. But if you're in a league that tackles tend to be more valuable, Josh Allen does not really separate himself from Trayvon Walker as much simply because the risk of having a a dud game because he doesn't get a sack and has a low tackle floor is very real. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to dissuade listeners from thinking that he's a safe asset in those types of leagues by giving him an A grade.
0: No, that's very, very wise, Evan. I love the comparison Hubbard and Hendrickson. That makes a ton of sense. I do sometimes in my mind always go to big three scoring, which is very heavy sack tackle for loss scoring. Um, It is not heavy tackle hardly at all. Um, Josh Allen on the season, only three sacks. Um, Definitely started off hot his first four weeks, 16 points, 23 points, 3 points, and 19 points in big three scoring, but has since declined. Has five points in week five and then only one tackle for two points in week six. Um, so super, super great, talented edge rusher, but might not always get home. I love the boldness to not have him as an a, I really can kind of see in 2022, he fits into that B category quite a bit better, but I do love the other side of it as well for you, Evan. I love the boldness for you to not put Trayvon Walker as a C because honestly, I feel like a lot of people probably have him mentally as a C right now, but Trayvon Walker's time is coming. And I think it's, um. I think Trayvon Walker's name will be somebody we're talking about here in the next couple weeks quite a bit. Let's get to the next game here, the Indianapolis Colts that are 3-2-1 and one against the Tennessee Titans, who are 3-2 and two off of a bye last week, I believe. I think that's right. The Indianapolis Colts are an above-average matchup for Week 7. The defensive line, Edge, Yannick Ngakwe as a B grade. Edge Quiddy Pei as a B slash C grade. Defensive tackle DeForest Buckner an A in defensive tackle leagues. Linebacker Shaquille Leonard as a B grade. Bobby Okereke as a B grade. Zaire Franklin as an A slash C grade, which we'll talk about here in just a second. And then defensive backs Rodney McLeod as a B grade. Julian Blackman as a C grade. Rodney Thomas as a C-grade, and then cornerbacks Kenny Moore as an A-grade and Stephon Gilmore as a B-grade in cornerback leagues. The the DBs in Indianapolis so far this year have been so maddening that I don't even feel like talking about them, to be honest with you. So let's do a little defensive line and linebacker talk for the Indianapolis Colts. Again, Evan, let's open up the floor. Which of these guys do you want to spotlight for Week 7?
1: I really want to spotlight Quitty Pay. Um, you know, he's got a higher tackle floor and a better pressure rate than than Yannick Ngakwe. Um, but but he's been dealing with some injuries, and so I wasn't I wouldn't be super confident rushing him back. And, and Ngakwe himself isn't exactly an exciting asset. I did give him a B grade. Not all bees are the same. You know, there are some killer bees. There are some bumblebees. There are some carpenter bees who don't even sting you. And so, mm. just keep that in mind. It's it's a wide range of of what a B is. the The metrics that I used to determine grading was simply snap volume, uh, pressure rate, and and tackle floor. And so, if they you know checked two of those boxes or two and a half of those boxes, they would probably be a B, which is what Yannick Ngakwe is here. I I mm. do want to spend some time on the linebacker situation because there is. A lot of opportunity for for profit here, but there's also a lot of opportunity to get burned. So first off, Shaquille Leonard, if he's out, obviously it clears up the situation a lot. We're going to see Bobby O'Karake. We're going to see Zaire Franklin. If Shaquille Leonard is back, I'm not supremely confident that he is going to be the same Shaquille Leonard in his first game back. Simply because of the injury risk, the injury that he's coming back from, and perhaps the easing back into playing time. So if he returns, it does muddy the situation a lot, but there is still going to be a linebacker there that sees 100% of snaps. So will it be Bobby O'Kerke or will it be Zaire Franklin? Because Bobby Okereke has been benched at least once this season, whereas Zaire Franklin has been a dog for people that picked him up in week one. And so the real question here is, what do we do if Shaquille Leonard gets back? Now I have Zaire Franklin as an A slash C because if Leonard is out, Zaire Franklin is an A, and if Leonard is back, Franklin is a C. Now, typically, I would put him in as more of a D because uh, Shaquille Leonard and Bobby Okereke are both the 100% snap players, which would be Zaire Franklin as the odd man out. But I'm not entirely sure that Zaire Franklin will be the odd man out. There is a chance that he might take over Bobby Okereke's job. Do I believe that will happen? No. I think the odds are against it. If I had to bet, I would bet on Okereke. But I also have to admit that it's not outside of the realm of possibilities that OKRK gets a limited snap roll with the return of Shaquille Leonard and Zaire Franklin seeing an increase in snaps.
0: As of six hours ago, Shaquille Leonard has been ruled out. So there we go. It looks, it looks like we know what we need to at this point. It's going to be OKRK and it's going to be Zaire Franklin. for week you should seven. start both of them. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, let's get to the next team here in this matchup the tennessee titans the defensive line is an above average matchup edge rashad weaver receiving a b slash c grade bud dupree receiving a c grade defensive tackle jeffrey simmons an a in all d tackle leagues i would also add duh, defensive tackle Denico autry who could be a defensive end or uh possibly even an edge in other leagues um Evan has here is a B in defensive tackle leagues. I'm going to also add maybe a B slash C in edge leagues. Autry has been pretty good so far this year. Linebackers, David Long, A, Dog, duh. Zach Cunningham as a C, Dylan Cole as a C, Joe Schobert as a D, Monty Rice as an F. We run the whole gamut there. We just didn't have a a B guy. We needed a B guy. Defensive backs, Kevin Byard as an A, Amani Hooker as a B, Joshua Kalu as an F, and then cornerbacks Roger McCreary as an A in cornerback leagues, and Christian Fulton a B in cornerback leagues. So the most interesting conversation to be had with the Tennessee Titans, at least to me, David Long, you have as an A grade. I don't think, I don't think we have talked about David Long enough on the IDP Show podcast in 2022. Evan, please talk about David Long for me.
1: Yeah, so when I first put him down, I went in with the assumption that I would be giving him a B grade simply because he has burned me on one or or two occasions so far this season. But as I went in and looked at his snap percentage in recent games and his tackle rate, I couldn't convince myself to do that unless I did it subjectively because I have given other linebackers A's for doing the exact same things that David Long has done recently in these past few weeks, which is have a 100% tackle rate, have a high tackle floor, don't have anybody coming for your butt. Mm -hmm. Zach Cunningham is not coming for David Long Jr.'s butt. Sorry. Mm -hmm. You can quote me on that if you want. Mm. Please don't give my name at the bottom of it, but you can quote me on that. David Long Jr. meets all the qualifications of a linebacker that I would be confident starting in any depth of league.
0: I love that. Yeah, David Long, a guy that... Um, I believe it was one of our flag plants going into this season. Maybe Josh, maybe I'm looking at you. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, But David Long is a guy who 12 points in week one, but then two pretty low weeks, two and eight in week two and three, but then 13.25 points, and then I believe finished the game off in week five before their bye uh, with six tackles, six assists, and one pretty big interception on Carson Wentz. Uh, I believe it was in the red zone there for David Long, getting him 19.5 points in week five. So we'll see if he can uh, continue to go off of the 19-point game in week five and see if that will propel him in week seven. Let's talk about our next matchup here, the 3-3 and Green Bay Packers against the 2-4 and Washington Commanders. What a game this looks like it's going to be. I can't wait to watch this. Just mess. But anyways, the Green Bay Packers defensive line is a good matchup going into week seven. Rashawn Gary is an A. Dog. I put that in there. Evan didn't say that. If you don't like that, you can DM me. <laughs> Edge, Preston Smith as a B. Defensive tackle, Kenny Clark as an A. Jeron Reed as a B. Linebackers, Devondre Campbell as an A. And Quay Walker as a B. And then defensive backs, Adrian Amos with a B. Safety, Darnell Savage with a C. And cornerbacks, Eric Stokes and Jair Alexander, both Bs in cornerback leagues. Evan, are you concerned at all about Devondre Campbell so far and his usage in 2022?
1: I'll say the same thing about him that I said with David Long, which is he's seeing 100% of snaps, and he is you know making tackles. And he doesn't really have anybody coming for his job. I don't believe Quay Walker is going to be a 100% linebacker over him anytime soon. And so the question here is, okay, so then why isn't he scoring more points if he's an A? My answer, I don't know. Ask him. But mm-hmm. I expect it to happen at some point because players that do what he da, does, players that do what he does, nice. they, uh, they make tackles. I English good occasionally. <laughs> And so I expect some positive regression for Devondre Campbell. Players that are used in the way that Devondre Campbell is used tend to score more points. And nothing significant has really changed between this year and last year. He's in the same role. He's on the same Mm -hmm. team. Mm -hmm. So why would he score significantly fewer points? That doesn't make sense to me. And so him being an A is a vote of confidence for you. I believe that you should continue to put him in your starting lineup and just trust that eventually some positive regression will come his way.
0: You said in there someone coming for his job versus David Long, someone coming for his butt. Is there a difference between a job and a butt?
1: Yes, a job is an occupation, something that you hold. Okay. A, a butt is, is something that is like personal. Oh, gotcha. And nobody's coming for David Long's butt because they, they don't have anything on him.
0: I love that. Clay Walker that. and
1: Devondre Campbell, I believe they have a good relationship. I don't Mm -hmm. believe that Quay Walker is out here trying to get Devondre Campbell. I believe that they are a great tandem. They work well together. And I don't believe that Quay Walker is out here trying to be like, man, I really want what he has.
0: He likes his own butt. Yeah. Fantastic. I couldn't agree more. There are a bunch of really gross linebackers in Tennessee. But you're right. In Green Bay, it's pretty much two guys. The Washington Commanders, the defensive line average matchup there, Edge, Montez, Sweat with a B grade. Edge, James Smith-Williams with a C grade. Defensive tackle, Duran Payne, an A in defensive tackle leagues. Defensive tackle, Jonathan Allen, an A as well in defensive tackle leagues. Linebacker, Cole Holcomb, a dog. Jammin Davis as a C. And then defensive backs, Cameron Curl, an A. Bobby McCain, a C. And Kendall Fuller, a B in cornerback leagues. I want to talk for a second with you, Evan, about Cameron Curl. And I agree with this assessment of an A. Most people would probably pull up his game log and disagree with you. Why do you like Cameron Curl enough to give him an A grade here?
1: I think this is a great point to make one hour into our episode, which is that I am not really looking at player names when making these grades, which is why, again, you saw me make some somewhat controversial calls earlier. I'm looking at the data, I'm looking at the predictive metrics, and I'm using that to make a prognostication of the future. You do not get fantasy points for things you already did. Mm-hmm. Starting Cameron Curl in week seven, the number that shows up on your team after week seven is not going to be an average of what he did weeks one through week six. It's going to be whatever he does in week seven. And I gave him an A because the way he was used in weeks one through six or you know whichever ones he was healthy for yep. is great. It's exactly what you want to see from your starting safety, 100% of snaps and a really good snap location. He's in the box a lot. He's given the opportunity to make plays a lot. You find me another safety that's not deserving of an A grade that's used like that. And I will say, awesome, great, because Cameron Curl is a guy that you should have confidence in. And if you're looking at somebody's game log to determine whether or not they're a good player, I would recommend you look a little bit deeper. Look at their snap percentage. Look at their sweet spot snap percentage. See where they line up because that is going to help you determine success at a much higher rate than simply looking at
0: their game log. I couldn't agree with you more, Evan. I think that I have been trying to acquire Cameron Curl for the last two weeks um, since he came back from, I believe it was a shoulder elbow injury. He did miss week one and week two. I don't think there is any better buy right now in IDP. Um, as far as DBs are concerned, then Cameron Curl. Our window is about to close. If he has another five tackle, one sack week, um, the sack especially is the big outlier that puts other people's, puts him on other people's radar. I think Cameron Curl is a great person to go out and try and to acquire right now um, because, again, exactly like what you're saying, the snaps are there, the usage is there, and the talent is there. Turn on the TV. Look up some of his snaps. Watch him play. He's in the backfield a lot. He's in the box a lot. He is—he's um, a great safety, and PFF loves him as well. I think we've talked about him here recently. He's been hovering 89 to 90 percent overall PFF grade. So, speaking of PFF, this is a horrible transaction. This is a, a transition. I, mean, I miss Josh. Josh is so much better at this than I am. But let's talk about the next matchup: the New York Jets and the Denver Broncos. The New York Jets being four and two, and then the Denver Broncos being two and four. Wow. What a weird world we're living in in 2022. The New York Jets defensive line is an above-average matchup. Edge Carl Lawson gets a C grade. Edge John Franklin Myers gets a C grade. Defensive tackle Quinnen Williams gets an A in defensive tackle leagues. Linebackers C.J. Mosley gets an A grade. Dog. Quincy Williams gets a B grade. Quan Alexander gets a D grade. Please do not start Quan Alexander. Defensive backs Jordan Whitehead with a B grade. LaMarcus Joyner, the Ram franchise tag from, I believe, 2018, gets a C grade for the New York Jets in week seven. Cornerbacks DJ Reed, Sauce Gardner, and Michael Carter get a B, B, and C grade for week seven. Evan, do you like Quincy Williams in your IDP lineup in week seven? I do. Now I didn't give him
1: an A grade. I gave him a B grade. So there is at least some level of concern. I, like I said earlier, I give an A grade to linebackers who have no, no, nothing to be concerned about whatsoever. CJ mm-hmm. Mosley, for example, I have nothing to be concerned about for him. I believe he's going to get hundred percent of snaps. He's going to be productive. Quincy Williams. I'm not as confident. I believe he's going to get a vast majority of snaps like he did at the beginning of the season. But last week, he was still somewhat limited. I believe he saw somewhere around 70 to 75% of snaps. Now, were they easing him back in from his ankle injury, or is this his new role? I don't know. And because I don't know, I'm giving him a B grade. That being said, the upside of him having that previous role merits him being higher than a C grade, because he is very productive when he plays that level of snaps.
0: Yeah, Absolutely um Quincy, Quincy Williams is a guy who I think we're all we were all expecting him to lose his job so far this year and um and he's been a nice he's been a, he's had a nice role there for the New York Jets and is producing and um I think if it's not broke don't fix it and Quincy Williams is a perfect example of that. Let's get to something that is broke, and that's the Denver Broncos, and let's see if we can fix anything there. The defensive line, an above-average matchup going into Week 7. Edge, Baron Browning, an A-slash-B grade. Edge, Bradley Chubb, a B-grade. Defensive tackles, Draymond Jones and DJ Jones, both Bs in defensive tackle leagues. Josie Jewell, linebacker for the Denver Broncos, receives an A-grade. Alex Singleton with the most polarizing grade of an A-F grade for Week 7. Jonas Griffith will split the difference with a C-grade. Defensive backs Justin Simmons, safety with an A-grade. Kareem Jackson with a B-grade. And cornerbacks Pat Sertain, Damari Mathis, and K1 Williams all with B-grades in cornerback leagues. So, Evan, the question has to be asked. Alex Singleton receives the ultimate A slash F grade from Evan Ronda. What in the world? Question mark.
1: Yeah, it sounds crazy at face value, but I'll just break it down for you really simple. If Josie Dewell plays, Alex Singleton is limited to a special teams player only. He's probably gonna put up a zero in your lineup. If Josie Jewell does not play, well, you saw what he did last week. Alex Singleton absolutely went off. It's it's as simple as that. If Josie Joel plays, don't play Alex Singleton. If Josie Joel does not play, play Alex Singleton.
0: That was too well done. I need you to answer that worse the next time. Was that okay? I need you to yeah, have I some other crazy story about he ate Qdoba, not feeling so great. That's the F if he doesn't play.
1: Um, Do I need to spend more time talking about his greasy hair?
0: Potentially, yes. I think that would probably get us some more listens
1: understood i'll make note of that next week maybe he'll spill the qdoba in his hair
0: there we go that's like the, i also uh, do want
1: to go for i want to take a sec to talk about baron browning too because i've seen a lot of people bring this up and i think he's one of the few guys that gave the a slash b grade too he's been really really good recently mm-hmm. now the only reason i didn't give him a full-on a grade is because it's been such a small sample size now the entire nfl season is a small sample size so given that even still it's it's been a very small sample size and so it's Hard for me to draw any major conclusions based upon just that. But based on what we've seen, he has the potential to be an A. If he doesn't end up being that great, he's still a B, and which is exactly where I have Bradley Chubb. But he could be special, which seems so strange for a guy that we thought was going to be a you know a middle linebacker coming out of the draft and just completely disappointed. And wow, he's like Michael uh, Parsons light. I said that and got flamed for it earlier this week, so I feel like I need to clarify myself simply because he was drafted as a linebacker and became an edge and is surprisingly good at it.
0: The last two weeks in Big 3 scoring, Baron Browning has 27.5 points and 20.25 points in week 5. To me, Baron Browning might fall into the perfect sell candidate for week 7. Um is he special? Maybe our offense is going to learn to Give offensive linemen maybe some help against him, maybe a couple of chips. Is he going to see some more double teams? Are teams going to start to pay attention to him more? Absolutely. I don't know that we're going to continue to see this mayhem that we have seen from Baron Browning um, for the foreseeable future. Can he sneak in and maybe continue to get some tackles? Maybe some sacks? Yes. But maybe don't con- maybe don't consider, I don't know, this may not continue is basically what I'm trying to get at. If you want to sell him high right now, I'm 100% fine with that. If you want to hold him and ride it out because you probably don't have a lot of an acquisition cost in him, I'm fine with that as well. Let's talk about a team whose acquisition cost would probably be pretty low right now. The Houston Texans at 1-3-1 and one are going to play also a pretty bad team, the 1-4 and four Las Vegas Raiders. The Houston Texans defensive line has an average matchup for week seven edge. Jonathan Greenard with a C grade edge. Jerry Hughes with a C grade and edge. Mario Addison with a C grade linebackers, Christian Kirksey with an A grade camu Grugier Hill with a B grade and Christian Harris with a D grade Jalen Petra, the defensive back for the Houston Texans with an A grade dog safety. Jonathan Owens with a B grade and cornerbacks, Derek Stingley, Steven Nelson, and Desmond King with A, A, and B grades, respectively, for the Houston Texans. I want to ask you, Evan, about a player that I was super intrigued by going into the 2022 season, but has let us down so far for the defensive line there for the Houston Texans. Jonathan Greenard, who had a spell of what one might call Baron Browning mayhem in 2021. He had a, I believe it was an eight week span of just chaos. Um, Jonathan Greenard has been underperforming so far for your IDP teams in 2022. Do you think that continues or do you think that we could maybe see an upswing for Greenard for the rest of the season?
1: Based on what we've seen from him historically, I don't completely rule it out, but I would need to see it first before I just project improvement on him because what I've seen from him kind of makes sense on a predictive metrics basis based on how many snaps he's getting and how many pressures he's getting the, the points that he's scoring kind of make sense. He's getting Mm -hmm. about as many tackles as I would think he would. He's getting about as many sacks as I would think he would. Mm -hmm. I just don't know why he's not getting more snaps is the question. Like, yes, he's been injured, but his rotation, the rotation that the Texans have been using has been a very, very heavy rotation with Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison and a few other guys. So, If he elevates above that rotation, if they give him more volume, yeah, absolutely, more points can happen. But I'm not sitting on my hands waiting for it. I'll just react to it if and when it happens.
0: Yeah, we're going to look away from the $10.8 million that he is being uh, contracted by in the XMFL by me this year. So just uh, just look away from that. But you're right, Jonathan Greenard has been a little bit banged up. I know he has had an ankle injury. That probably plays into the, uh, the weird rotation there for the defensive line in Houston, and we'll see if that turns around. There's not really a ton of these other guys that I really want to talk about. Jalen Petre has been a huge surprise in IDP so far in 2022, at least for where he was drafted. Petre does look like a dog. Let's look at the Las Vegas Raiders. Defensive line has an ideal matchup going into week seven. Edge, Max Crosby, a Dog. Edge Chandler Jones gets a C grade. Linebackers Divine Diablo with an A grade. Denzel Perryman with a C grade. And Blake, no. Just no. Don't do it. Martinez with a D grade. Defensive backs Jonathan Abram with a B grade. Trayvon MoRig with a C grade. Duran Harmon with a C grade. And cornerback Nate Hobbs with an A grade in cornerback leagues. So... Evan, Max Crosby, we know to start him. Chandler Jones, he's been fine. But tell me what I need to know about the linebacking core for the Las Vegas Raiders.
1: It's it's nothing too crazy. Divine Diablo continues to have that starting role locked up. He's continuing to see 100% of snaps. Denzel Perryman has fallen off quite a bit from his 2021 season now that he is the second string there. He's a part-time player. He's got good upside and like all linebackers who play a majority of snaps, but not 100% of snaps, they're more volatile assets. They could have boom weeks. They could have bust weeks. And so just manage your expectations accordingly with Denzel Perryman. As for Blake Martinez, no, just he's not, no, he, no. If, unless his snaps go up significantly, and it, I don't necessarily see signs of that happening, but unless they go up significantly, he's going to continue to be an unrosterable asset.
0: It's like gas station sushi. You know, you're yeah. hungry. You really need some substance, but just don't do it. Look away. Do something else. Grab your bag of Cheez-Its, You know, something else. Some taki takis. You know what? What about you, Evan? What's your What's your gas station food? What's your go to?
1: Akeem Davis Gaither. <laughs> I was thinking about that analogy ahead of time. I was like, why would you get gas station sushi when you could get gas station Akeem Davis-Gaither, somebody who's probably rostered in a significantly smaller portion of leagues but is going to score more points this week than Blake Martinez, almost guaranteed. Um, I don't eat at gas stations usually, so I can't answer you there. But if I did, it would probably be like a prepackaged like bag of chips or something, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust any food that's prepared at the gas station.
0: You haven't lived until you've tried to trust food at gas stations. We'll, we'll come back to Kentucky, Evan. We'll we'll take a trip. Speaking of, I trips, enjoyed all the
1: fried chicken and everything. I'm not gonna lie, that was all good. You don't have to take me to a gas
0: station. It probably messed with your stomach for weeks, though. That's too much vegetable <laughs> for a human to uh, to <laughs> intake in that amount of time. I'm sure that plane trip home was a little rough with the uh, with the air pressure and everything. <laughs> Speaking of air pressure. The Seattle Seahawks are flying high with Geno Smith in 2022. They're three and three, and they're going to play the four and two Los Angeles Chargers in week four. The Seattle defensive line has a below average matchup for week seven. Edge Uchenna Nwosu gets a B grade. Edge Daryl Taylor gets a C grade. And defensive tackle Quentin Jefferson gets a B grade in defensive tackle leagues. Linebacker. Jordan Brooks gets an A grade. Dog. Cody Barton gets a D grade. Defensive backs, Ryan Neal gets an A grade. Quandre Diggs gets a B grade. And cornerback, Tariq Woolen, gets an A grade in cornerback leagues. An interception in four consecutive games. Evan, Tariq Woolen looks like an animal in 2022. Speak to it.
1: I have not, I don't have a lot to say. I mean, there was a lot of hype coming out for him ahead of the draft. They, you know, he was mentioned as somebody that Pete Carroll would definitely like, you know, really fast, really big, really physical player with the ability to be molded into something more. And just based on these last four weeks, it seems like he's starting to find his own. I don't want to attribute the interceptions to him strictly. I'm sure those that are film nerds, so not me could probably watch those games back and be like, some of those were absolutely earned interceptions and some of those interceptions happened to him. I I wrote a note next to Christian Kirksey, the linebacker for the Texans, that said he's on the field for a lot and tackles happen to him. And I said that specifically because I don't necessarily believe that Christian Kirksey is out there making tackles. I think mm-hmm. players fall into his lap and so he gets credited with the tackle. Obviously, I'm being facetious here, but... You know, that is the way that interceptions can be at times as well. Not to say that Tariq Woolen is not a talented player. He's a rookie, though, and he's not a highly drafted rookie. And so there is a chance that he, you know, does come into his own. But also there's a chance that he just got an interception in four games. And so I'm not out here heralding as the next Richard Sherman by any means. But in a quarterback league, if you need a guy, he could be a guy.
0: Let's talk about it again player profiler for Tariq and 6'4", 205. Evan is right. He was the 10th pick in the fifth round of the 2022 draft, played for the University of Texas, San Antonio, which I believe is Conference USA, WKU. Um, his workout metrics, 40-yard dash, 100th percentile, ran a 4 2 six. 40-yard dash, I repeat, at 6'4", 205. The 100th percentile speed score, 96th percentile burst score and 99th percentile catch radius oh my gosh Tariq Woolen, how did you fall to the fifth round of the NFL draft Evan's right interceptions are sometimes um, not a sticky stat it's a difficult thing to replicate week in and week out Uh, he is getting some tackles but if you take some of these interceptions away from him he's going to be a little bit like just your standard run-in-the-mill quarterback. Cornerback. Uh, quarterback. Cornerback. I do have a difficult time with corner and quarterback, so I apologize to the listeners. But, yes, that's an interesting matchup. Let's get to the other side of this game. The Los Angeles Chargers defensive line is an above-average matchup. Evan has the edge. Khalil Mack here is an A. And defensive tackle Sebastian Joseph Day from the Los Angeles Rams is an A. In defensive tackle leagues, linebackers Drew Tranquil as an A and Kenneth Murray as a C. Defensive back, Derwin, Macri, James as an A grade, dog, and Nasir Adderley as a C grade. Evan, let's talk about the linebackers here for the Los Angeles Chargers for just a second. Kenneth Murray started the game actually last week, which was super surprising to me. But just like your notes here say – he does see a lot of limited snaps from week in and week out. So he's not very dependable. But can we finally depend on something that Adam has been praying for for years in Drew, the tranquilizer?
1: Yeah, I believe so. I gave him an A grade for a reason, which is that he fits all the metrics of a linebacker that deserves an A grade. Sees so 100% of one hundred percent of snacks. Wow.
0: Let me say that one again. That's something I see when I go to a gas station. I'm hungry,
1: snaps. man. I'm hungry. 100% of snaps. There we go. He gets tackles. He's on the field for every single play. And that's all that you really need from a linebacker that has an A, along with not having another guy coming for his butt. I don't believe that the relationship between Drew Tranquil and Kenneth Murray is amicable enough that Kenneth Murray is simply trying to come for his job. I do believe Kenneth Murray wants Drew Tranquil's butt because Kenneth Murray sucks at football and he can't earn a job. So, the end of my the that's the end of my speech right there kenneth murray uh, by the way i also wanted to add i don't put a lot of weight into starting a game that just means you're on the field for the first snap yeah you could play one snap and and start a game theoretically speaking And so i'm i'm not going to give that any
0: any weight couldn't agree more it just is something that i like to pay attention to But that's right. Evan's right. Don't pay attention to who starts. Look, pay attention to the snaps. Let's get to the next game here. The four and two Kansas City Chiefs are playing the three and three now. CMC led San Francisco 49ers. The Kansas City Chiefs defensive line is an above-average matchup for week seven. Edge, Frank Clark as a C grade. George. Uh hold on. I want to say his I want to say his uh, his name. Let me think about it. Edge furious George Carloftis with a D grade. Defensive tackle, Chris Jones an A grade in defensive tackle leagues. Linebacker Nick Bolton with an A grade. Dog. Willie Gay with a B grade. Defensive backs, Justin Reed with a B grade. Juwan Thornhill with a B grade and cornerback Legereus Snead an A-grade in cornerback leagues, and maybe any DB leagues, honestly. And Jalen Watson as well with a B in cornerback leagues. Because I love the Chiefs so much and because I love you, Evan, I'm opening the floor. Which of these players you want to talk to?
1: Yeah, it, it's unfortunate, right, because this is an above-average matchup, but I have pretty much all of their defensive linemen with terrible, terrible grades. And that's just because they're not being productive. They're not getting a significant portion of snaps or they're not getting a significant portion of pressures or tackles. And so I have a, a good level of confidence that somebody's going to have a great game, but I'm not going to put money on anyone specifically. And so, you know, this is like the ideal best ball situation where you don't have to choose your wins. It just kind of happens. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: what I really want to talk about is Willie Gay right now because if you're in a shallower league, especially one with smaller benches... There is a chance that Willie Gay is still available on your waivers. Now, obviously, you specifically, listener, he's not available in any of your leagues because you only play in hardcore IDP leagues. But somebody Mm -hmm. else might have Willie Gay available because he's been suspended for the last four weeks. Before he was suspended, he was seeing really, really good usage. He was seeing a vast majority of snaps, not quite as many as Nick Bolton, but way more than we expected going into the season. If he returns to that role, he is a B plus level linebacker and should be a starting consideration in most IDP leagues.
0: I love that. Let's talk about Nick Bolton for a second. Are you surprised at all with how efficient Nick Bolton has been in 2022?
1: What I'm more surprised about is how the chiefs in general have used their linebackers. I expected it to be a lot more of what we've already seen with them, which is just a heavy rotation, and each guy will kind of have their games where they get a lot of where they get a lot of snaps, but mm-hmm. nobody's really going to have a job locked up consistently. And, you know, we were wrong. Nick Bolton is absolutely that guy. But I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm surprised by his production so far simply because he has been on the field for a lot. And any Chiefs Mm -hmm. linebacker that got a significant portion of snaps got a lot of tackles last year for the most part, especially in good matchups. And so I'm not... I'm not sitting on my hands waiting for Nick Bolton to have some serious regression. It's certainly possible that he underperforms or overperforms expectation just because IDP is volatile. But again, I'm not necessarily actively expecting regression from him. No.
0: I like that. That's a great call there. I love Nick Bolton and he is, um, he's somebody that we didn't have a lot of ADP in, um, in 2022. And he is probably performing above our expectations so far this year. And we, we, think that that will continue let's talk about the san francisco 49ers the defensive line there has an above average matchup for week seven edge nick bosa an a grade dog if healthy edge samson ebucam with a b grade edge charles umenohue with a b slash f grade only if bosa is out there linebackers fred warner and dre greenlaw both a grades both dogs Another dog there for the defensive backs, safety, Telenoa Hufunga. Safety, Jimmy Ward gets a C grade. And Tayshaun Gibson gets a C grade. And cornerback, DeMaurier Lenore gets a B grade in cornerback leagues. Um, What do you want to touch on here, Evan? This is an interesting team. Do you want to talk about the dynasty worth um, value right now of Telenoa Hufunga? Do you want to talk about these linebackers? Um, or maybe do you even want to talk about Samson Ebukam? You tell me. This is a dealer's choice here for you, Evan.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty simple defense, but I do like breaking breaking away from our, our trend and talking Dynasty for a little bit because of how much I love Dynasty. Uh, I will say, with, with any IDP asset, if they have a significant portion of Dynasty value and you have a trade partner that's willing to pay up for that value, you should probably make that trade. It would behoove you, as a Dynasty manager to be willing to trade any asset on your team. Now, you don't have to trade them, but you should be open to it. Because if you have somebody who is willing to pay you handsomely for an asset that you have, you can make a profit and you can reinvest that value elsewhere at your own choosing. So with Talanoa Huf- Talano Hufanga, I-, I believe he's good. I believe he's going to be great the rest of the season. His usage is great. He's seeing 100% of snaps in a good location. But if I'm a Talanoa Hufanga manager and somebody says, hey, I really like that guy. I think he's the next Troy Polamalu and I'm willing to pay up for it. I'll be like, I don't know, man, he's, he's really, really good. You're going to have to, you're going to have to pay a lot and then you're going to pay a lot. And then I'm going to make a huge profit. And then I'm going to go invest that into, you know, Ryan Neal off of waivers or something like that. Because I think Ryan Neal could very well score just as many points. And then I can keep that surplus value and invest it in a wide receiver or running back or tight end or even defensive Mm -hmm. line something that I believe is going to maintain value year over year because something that we know to be true is that defensive back is a highly volatile position. Mm -hmm. So why put all your eggs in the defensive back basket when that basket consistently falls apart while you're holding it?
0: Always trade DBs, and if you can, move those DBs for potential offense. I love that advice. All right, let's get to these last couple matchups here, Evan. We are going to talk about your favorite team, Steel City. Steel City is that right? Is that what y'all are called? Sure. Okay. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Steelers fans, Somebody hit me up. What what do they call Pittsburgh? But uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers at two and four play the Miami Dolphins at three and three. The Pittsburgh Steelers defensive line is an above average matchup going into this week. Edge Alex Highsmith is a B grade. Edge Malik Reed with a C grade. Defensive tackle, Cameron Hayward, an A-grade in defensive tackle leagues, obviously. Linebackers, Miles Jack with a B-grade, and then Devin Bush with a C-grade. Just gross. Big Bob Spillane with a D-grade. Defensive back, Minka Fitzpatrick with a B-grade, and safety, Terrell Edmonds with a B-grade. Evan, this is your team. Who do you want to talk about here?
1: If I could choose to talk about one person associated with the Steelers, it would be Mike Tomlin because he's the only thing about this team that I enjoy anymore. But obviously he's not scoring points for fantasy football. Granted, neither is the Steelers' offense. Um, Uh Devin Bush sucks at football. You should probably not start him if you can afford it. Keep your eye on Robert Spillane. I don't think he's coming for Devin Bush's but but he could be. And Mm. so if you're in a super-duper deep league, he could be somebody worth keeping an eye on. As for Minka Fitzpatrick, I understand that I gave him a B grade. Most managers are probably confused why one of the best safeties in the league has been given a B grade, especially one that finished as highly as he did last year. And the reason is because he is such an efficient tackler despite his usage. I think that if I'm going to give a safety an A grade, that safety needs to see 100% of snaps and have ideal usage. Minka Fitzpatrick does not have ideal usage because of how often he plays deep. Now, perhaps he makes so many tackles because the rest of the defense sucks so much. And so the ball just gets all the way to where he is. I don't know for sure. And I'm not going to do all the research associated with finding the answer to that question. All I know is because of where Minka plays, deep safeties tend to be more volatile assets.
0: Absolutely. And Minka has been banged up a little bit this year as well. Um, I don't know off the top of my head what exactly it is that he is um, returning from, um, but those injuries are never good, especially for guys who um, if he is, um, I need to look and see, is it a leg thing? Is it an arm thing? If it is a leg thing and he's relying on some of these, you know, tackles to stay still efficient and to stay in our IDP lineups, it is questionable because Terrell Edmonds did have a pretty good week um, last week in Minka's absence, I believe. Um, let's look at the Miami Dolphins. A defensive line matchup here is a good matchup. Edge Jalen Phillips receives a C grade. J, uh, Christian Watt, Wilkins, sorry, uh, receives an A grade in defensive tackle leagues. And then linebackers Jerome Baker with a B grade and Landon Roberts with a C grade. Safety Brandon Jones with a B grade and Javon Holland with a B grade. While cornerback Xavier Howard receives a B grade in cornerback leagues. Let me see, Evan. Um, Alandon Roberts had a big week last week. Is there anything to that? Is that something that we need to be trusting? Um, Or do we think that Jerome Baker is going to be the linebacker, really ADP-wise, that we drafted in 2022? Jerome Baker was probably about linebacker 15 and linebacker 20 range, and I don't feel like he has played like that so far this season. Has been up and down so far. Um, What do we feel comfortable rolling out for the Miami Dolphins linebacking core?
1: Comfortable is the key word there because I don't find much comfort in it. As for Landon Roberts, no, don't trust it. Uh, Linebackers that have a limited number of snaps have upside and they could very well have a spike week, just like Landon Roberts just did, but they also have a much lower floor. As for Jerome Baker, I mentioned this on the podcast at some point in the past, a couple weeks ago, he is seeing a portion of his snaps on the edge, which will lower his tackle efficiency. So in spite of playing 100% of snaps or nearly 100% of snaps, he's not getting as many tackles per snap as you would hope from your starting linebacker. So to answer your question, is he living up to his ADP? The answer is no, which isn't inherently surprising because basically no linebacker lives up to their ADP because every single year there's a linebacker or two or three or however many that have insanely low ADP that just jumps to the top. Think Denzel Perryman last year because Denzel Perryman finished as like the linebacker one, then no linebacker lived up to their ADP. The linebacker one ended up as linebacker two or later and et cetera, et cetera. And so that's generally why I prefer to invest in cheaper three down linebackers. But that being said, Jerome Baker, his peripheral numbers are slightly concerning. If you can sell him off of a big game, I would do that simply because I want to accrue as much point scoring potential per roster spot as possible. And I believe that Jerome Baker has a capped ceiling, which is why he has given a B grade. I also really lot- quickly wanted to take a sec and talk about Jalen Phillips. I gave him a C grade. And I think mm-hmm. that that deserves being touched on again because I know there are a lot of listeners that have been excited for him. And I really wanted to give him a good grade. Adam's going
0: to be pissed.
1: I have to be the person to tell you, listener, he's he's just not, he's not as good as I hoped he would be. He has moderate volume with kind of decent pressures, but really poor conversion rate and a really low tackle floor. He's not getting the sacks. He's pressuring the quarterback at a decent rate, but those pressures are not turning into sacks as much as we'd like to see. And on top of that, he's got a really low tackle floor. So if he doesn't get a sack, he's probably leaving a goose egg on your lineup. And that's not a kind of an edge rusher that I would be comfortable having as a, as a B grade. And so until further notice, and until that that pressure rate, that pressure to sack conversion rate regresses to a mean, he's going to remain a C until I see it.
0: Very uh, almost Yannick Ngakwe esque. I feel like Ngakwe's career has been very similar to where very low tackle floor and doesn't always get home for the sack. He had a couple of decent years, um, maybe, I don't know, maybe some 10 sack years for, for Yannick. Um, I tend to agree with you about Jalen Phillips as well, um, Evan. I know that's going to be difficult for a lot of people to hear, but it's just not quite there yet. Maybe it comes around, maybe, but we'll see. Let's get to the juiciest NFL game of the weekend. Let's see. I I want to tell you what they are here. The Cleveland, Cleveland, gosh, they're playing like Cleveland. The Chicago Bears at two and four are going to face the Bailey Zappi led New England Patriots at three and three. Before we even get into this, Evan, let's talk offensive real quick. Should the New England Patriots stick with Bailey Zappi at quarterback or switch to Mac Jones?
1: Should they know? Will they know? Do I want them to? Yes. That's, that's the, a short that's, answer. That's a crazy. They invested. Answer. They invested draft capital in Mac Jones. He was the better, better prospect coming out. I love Bailey Zappy. Every hour is Zappy hour when he's your quarterback. But mm-hmm. even still, he he's not so insanely good that he's keeping Mac Jones off the field. This isn't a Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith situation. This mm-hmm. is a you know tom brady's son versus tom brady's grandson kind of situation so uh, he's a great backup to have congratulations what you've done is you've accrued value on your team now your backup quarterback is a known name he has trade value if and when you need to move him and if not he has starting experience in the event of an injury and you have yourself a great backup quarterback so congrats to the patriots for hitting on that pick but i don't Mm -hmm. think he's a starter
0: I really hope that there's a Manning cast this weekend because I would love to hear them touch on the uh, on the Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi quarterback comparison there. That would be interesting. But we're not an offensive fantasy football show. We talk IDP. so let's talk about a few of them here before we wrap up. Defensive line here for Chicago is a terrible matchup. Edge, Robert Quinn, is a C-grade, which I have to agree with. I might even think he's worse. Robert Quinn has been terrible this year. al Muhammad is a C-grade. Travis Gibson is a C-grade, and Justin Jones is a B-grade. They're in D-tackle leagues. Linebacker Roquan Smith, we all know it. The dude's an A-grade. He's a dog. Nick Morrow as well receives an A-grade, playing 100% of the snaps. A defensive back here that we've already touched on to start the show, Jaquan Brisker receives an A-grade. Eddie Jackson with an A-grade. Kyler Gordon with an A-grade. And cornerback Jalen Johnson – with a B-grade in cornerback leagues. Man, the defensive line is not worth talking about, but I will say my one big outlier as far as the question here, Evan, is we all know Roquan's in A-grade, but it's interesting here that you see Nick Morrow as well as an A-grade. Can you please speak to that?
1: Yeah, my qualifications for making a linebacker an A remain the same, which is a player that receives 100% of snaps, doesn't have another player that could, you know, hurt their snap percentage that weekend, and they get tackles, and all of those things are things that Nick Morrow possesses as an asset, and so therefore he has earned an A grade.
0: I like that. I don't think any of the Chicago Bears are worth talking about, so let's move on to the New England Patriots. Love the it. defensive line is an ideal matchup. Edge Matt Judon is an A grade. Edge slash defensive tackle Dietrich Wise, who has quite a bit of sacks this year, is an A-grade in defensive tackle leagues. Defensive tackle Christian Barmore, a B-grade, and Devon Godshaw, a B-grade in defensive tackle leagues. Linebacker Jawan Bentley, a C-grade, and Jelani Tavai, a C-grade. Wow. Emerging from the ashes, Jelani Tavai. Man, I haven't said that name in a long time, and that's a that's great fun. I, I used to love Johnny Jelani Tavalin. He was a lion. Defensive backs, Devin McCourty, a C-grade. Adrian Phillips, a C-grade. Kyle Duggar, a C-grade. And Jabril Peppers, a D-grade. Let's talk about that real quick, Evan. Are there so many defensive backs that we don't know which one to pick from from one week to the next?
1: Yeah, this is the ideal best ball situation. Uh, To be completely honest with the listeners, when I do my my own podcast prep, I look at every single game, I read all the data, all the snaps from every single team, but I always skip the Patriots. Like I look at them really quick and then I'm like, yeah, no, and I move on. And so doing the prep for today's podcast, I really, you know, broke down the Patriots and reminded myself why I always skip them because they are a Bill Belichick led defense. They are extremely volatile week to week. They do not use players consistently. They shift their defensive usage according to the offense that they play against. And it is almost impossible to predict who will be successful on that team. Now, I'll break down the safeties because we're here and we're talking about them. And if I don't talk about it now, then I'll have done all that research for nothing because I'm not going to talk about it ever again. Devin McCourty is the least volatile guy. He sees the most snaps. But he's still a risky asset, which is why I gave him a seat. Adrian Phillips sees even fewer snaps, but where he plays on the field is much better. Devin McCordy plays significant a significant portion of his snaps deep. Adrian Phillips plays closer to the line of scrimmage. Kyle Duggar use on even less uh, uh, less fewer snaps than Adrian Phillips, but but his usage is really really good when he's on the field. Jabril Pepper just isn't isn't used almost ever, and so. Mm-hmm. Kyle Duggar and Adrian Phillips are like, you know, if you want to pick up a guy off waivers because you're losing by like 30 points and you have one spot left and you're like, wouldn't it be really funny if I just grabbed this guy off waivers and he went off this week? Those are the ideal targets for that and that only. But you do not want to leave those guys in your lineup on a consistent basis because they will burn you more times than they help you out.
0: Do you feel comfortable comfortable in week seven starting Kyle Duggar or Jalen Hawkins?
1: Jalen Hawkins. I think mm. he has a significantly higher... Well, okay. I think it's important that I clarify what I would be looking for out of my asset. Jalen Hawkins has a higher floor, and his ceiling is decent, but it's not as high as Kyle Duggar's ceiling on a good day. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, what Bill Belichick intends to do with Kyle Duggar. Kyle mm. Duggar could only play three snaps and put up a zero, but he could also put up a ton of points. So if yeah. I'm in a really shallow league, in every single lineup spot matters. Now, I wouldn't start either player, but if I had to, theoretically speaking, the the shallower your league is, the more important it is that you score points out of your out of your starting lineup. Because if you get a goose egg, that basically screws you for the entire week. Mm-hmm. If you have a really really deep league, then the amount of points that you need to expect out of each individual roster spot is significantly lower, and so a zero is going to hurt you a lot less, and a and a boom game is going to help you significantly more. And so if I'm in a really deep league, I'll probably play Kyle Duggar. If I'm in a shallow league, I'm not playing either guy, but theoretically speaking, I'm playing Jalen Hawkins.
0: I love it. Evan, that's going to be a wrap for us on week seven. Why don't, you, uh, why don't you talk about some of the things that you got going on and uh, any more questions that we might have. We don't have any listener questions today, so that's a sad face, but maybe next week we'll have some put in. Um, talk about what you got going on. How is football guys going for you? and uh, and wrap up the show for us here for week 7.
1: Absolutely, Bob. So, those that know me know I am a contributor here obviously here at the IDP show, but I'm also a contributor for footballguys.com, which is a website that is uh climbing to be you know the go-to place for for IDP research and articles. They made a bunch of really really good hires this off-season and they also hired me. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh but um my podcast the IDP game theory podcast comes out in podcast form anywhere you can find it but I also have uh the script for those podcasts written up as an article which I submit to football guys so if you're more of a reader and I'm not so I don't you know I don't empathize with that but if you prefer to read you can read my my podcasts there where I basically do a lot of what we talked about on today's episode some data analysis breaking down player usage trends and noting some significant outliers that I believe managers ought to be aware of. And those episodes come out usually late, late, late on Monday night, Arizona time so that you have all day on Tuesday to listen to them before your waivers run. Um, as far as upcoming projects go, it's really just that. Uh, I always like to note that I am available if people always want to reach out and talk football. Um, Bobby and I, we love chatting it up in the room, but there's only so much that we can cover. And -hmm. there are so many questions, Ninety nine point nine 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 percent of them are Baron Browning or Bradley Chubb or something (laughs) like that. To which case, sure, I'll do my best to answer it for you. But ideally, what I want to do is equip you with the tools to think for yourself. And if you DM me, you'll probably get an essay in response teaching you exactly how to do that. So if that's something you're interested in, you can find me on Twitter or on Instagram at IDP Evan. You can find Bob on Twitter, at IDP Bob. Great follow. Uh, listeners, we appreciate you spending the last hour 45 with us. Hopefully we covered everybody that you would possibly need us to talk about. We look forward to seeing you next time. But until then, peace out. In your mind.